Dean was only 23 when Dave Mahan stabbed him to death, even though the, 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 it was a quite a horrific killing. Um, it was forgiven, but not forgotten. Amy left the house at 9.45, and she was never seen after that. Technically, it was 36 hours after her last sighting that there was any formal statement made to the police. A lot of people would wonder, did they have a lot of control over both Amy and, and, and Dean and, and, and what they were getting up to? I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Killer Dave Mahan walked free from prison this week after serving five years for the manslaughter of his stepson, 23-year-old Dean Fitzpatrick, who he knifed to death in 2013. Just five years previous, Dean's sister Amy went missing without trace on Spain's Costa del Sol, aged just 15, after Mahan and their mother Audrey relocated there to start a new life. But with both children gone in horrific circumstances, Audrey has waited patiently for Mahan's release. And today I'm talking to journalist Eugene Masterson about the dreadful events that have defined their marriage. We discuss the mysterious disappearance of Amy, the dreadful knife attack on Dean, and the extraordinary love that their mother still holds for a killer. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Dave Mahan was released from prison yesterday and as far as we know, he's walked straight back into the arms of his now wife, Audrey Fitzpatrick. And maybe what's unusual about this, Eugene, is that Audrey Fitzpatrick is the mother of Dave Mahan's victim, um, a young man he stabbed to death in, in May of 2013. Um, so just tell us a little bit about them and their relationship. Dean was only 23 when Dave Mahan stabbed him to death at an apartment that Dave Mahan was staying with in, in North Dublin, near um, Clare Hall. And um, Dean had been living with mm. Dave Mahan and his mother Audrey in Spain for several years, um, since 2004, um, when Audrey and Dave Mahan uh, moved over to Spain and brought their, um, Audrey's two children at the time, um, Amy and Dean. Dean was two years older than Amy. And um, Audrey had been married to a man um, from Dunamede, Christopher Fitzpatrick, but she separated from him. And then she met Dave Mahan mm. in um, the Sheaf of Weep in, in Coolock. Um, Audrey's from Coolock and Dave Mahan was from nearby in Lorcan and Santry. So the two of them hooked up and um, decided to move off to Spain and brought the two kids with them, um, despite Christopher and his side of the family not wanting the kids to come over at such a young age. I think they were only 11 or 12 or what weren't even teenagers when they went over. So they had that relationship going back to then. And then, of course, as everyone knows, Amy disappeared on January the 1st, 2008. And Dean moved back to Ireland then shortly afterwards in April. I think he was technically sent home by Audrey and Dave, I think, um, he just became a handful for them that he was obviously upset with his sister disappearing. Came back to Ireland and then a, few, a couple of years later, Audrey and Dave came back to Ireland and um, Dean was living with his father at the time, Christopher, but he also had um, a relationship with a girl called Sarah Rourke and then he had a son by her who, mm. who was Audrey's only grandchild. So um, when the when the, the the killing happened um in 2013 um Audrey is naturally quite shocked but 
she has recently said that um, she stood by Dave because even though the, 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 it was a quite a horrific killing, um, it was forgiven but not forgotten. And that as far as she was concerned, that it was just um, mm. a tragic, maybe perhaps even in her eyes, an accident that she and Dave Mann claimed that that Dean was the one that came armed with the knife that night and looking for trouble. But um, a jury in 2016 did not believe Mahan's claims that Dean apparently ran on top of this knife that Mahan had taken off him. And but um, the jury did not believe that and and, and found him guilty of mm, of, mm. of manslaughter and quite deliberate manslaughter. Well, it's very hard for us maybe to understand why somebody would um, you know wait for 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 their child's killer to come out of prison and wait with open arms. I suppose Audrey Fitzpatrick has had a huge amount of loss in her life. So going back to when they this couple got together and moved out to Spain, it was presumably for a fresh start for the family. I think Amy would have been 11 and then Dean about 13. So they Dave was working as an estate agent, I think, out in Spain. And um, they sort of tried to set up a new family unit in a new country and maybe at a time when the two kids were a bad enough age to to move them. But nonetheless, they settled down and they made friends and they went to school. And what was life like for the kids out there and for, for Dave and Audrey? Well, I, I met Dave and Audrey shortly after Amy disappeared and they seemed quite respectable at the time. Like, like I remember at the time, Dave was very well groomed. He arrived in a spick and span suit and an open-necked white uh, shirt and she was very well done up as well like she looked quite glamorous and they were quite polite at the time and like um, they spoke obviously quite she appeared to be dis- still distressed about Amy's disappearance naturally being mm, a mother mm. and um, Dean there was no sign of him at that stage I only met Dean once in, in, in all the years I've been dealing with this case and he was really polite quite shy mm. individual so like I was quite surprised when I got a phone call when the killing happened and that he was involved in such an incident because the time I met him, he, he seemed, you know, mm. quite a withdrawn young man. I, I know that he, he after Amy's disappearance, he, 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 he wrote a couple of times, you know, about how much the disappearance had affected mm. him and, and then he, he tried to move on in his life with his relationship with this, this girlfriend, Sarah, and, and his, um, his own son. Mm. But let's go back a minute, Eugene, for those who don't, don't remember. New Year's Day 2008 was the first, really, that, well, certainly the, the media came upon this family when this story broke, but, and you were covering it from the beginning. Amy was at the point 15. She had been out in a friend's house for a New Year's Eve celebration. It stayed the night and she was on her way home, am I right, on New Year's Day when she just disappeared without trace. Yeah, she was staying with her one of her best friends, Ashley um, Rose, who was a, a, a daughter of Debbie Rose, who, and they were babysitting Debbie's youngest son, who was only three at the time. And Debbie was out for New Year's Eve. And so um, Amy decided to spend New Year's Eve with them. And um, she went off the next day, New Year's Day, and went shopping with Ashley, who was about the same age. I think she was a year younger. She was 14. And then they ended up going to a local bar as well, the Trafalgar bar, for a couple of drinks, Coca-Cola, whatever. Like um, A lot of people say that Amy was drinking alcohol, but there's no evidence of that. But anyway, they got back to um, Ashley's house, and Ashley lent her some clothes, including some boots, and um, did up her nails as well. But 
Um, Amy left the house at 9.45 and she was never seen after that. The interesting thing about that whole situation with Ashley and Debbie Rose is that um, Ashley maintains that in the apartment that night, Amy got out a pink mobile phone to get numbers off it because even though there was no SIM card in the phone, she used to get her numbers out of it to contact, you know, Spanish numbers obviously you wouldn't know off the top of your head. But she wanted to ring her mother to wish her a happy New Year's Day. So the, the phone call was um, to that particular phone. Um, Audrey's phone was actually logged at 12 minutes past 12 that uh, on New Year's Day. So that pink phone that, that um, Ashley said that Amy had, Audrey produced it on the, the, the Late Late Show a few months afterwards and said that, um, you know, that uh, well, this is my daughter's phone. But mm. Audrey claims that, oh, she found it in rummaging through clothes in the, her own apartment and they came across it and that Ashley maybe must be mistaken, you know, that, about this particular phone she or whatever. she didn't have but, that um, one with her. So yeah. did, who reported her missing and how quickly? Um, well, Ashley was meant to meet Amy um, like she left on New Year's Day at 9.45, but she was meant to meet her the following day at six o'clock and there was no sign of her. So she got, and she couldn't get through on the landline or whatever on Bebo. They used to communicate quite a lot of that. So they left another day and then Debbie, who, which was um, Ashley's mother, contacted Audrey and basically said, look, um, we're getting really freaked out about this. And, um, and she said, look, if you don't go to the police, I'm going to go to the police. So at the time, I remember interviewing the, the, the Dave and, and Audrey over in Spain around, around April of 2008, and their spokesperson at the time, Franco Del Rey, said, oh, look, Audrey did contact the local police station that day when Debbie said to contact them, and she was saying that Amy used to sometimes disappear without telling people, and there was pretty par for the course for her that she'd go to friends and sometimes they wouldn't know how to contact her because she didn't have a SIM and a card in the phone. And then she, Franco Del Rey was saying that, um, look, she contacted the local police station and then they told her to come in the following day to make a, a formal state, statement to Guardian Civil. But technically it was 36 hours after her last sighting that there was any formal statement made to the police. So it was assumed that Amy had gone missing or was, you know, she, she was, they were used to her staying away from home for periods of time. Um, did the... When the report was eventually made, did the police take it seriously then or did they themselves believe that she was a bit of a runaway or something? Pretty much so, like that, that she was, you know, a, you know, a, a volatile teenager and that she had a, a record of hanging out in various places. Like she used to hang out with a, a, the Simpson family for 10 days at a time, as I said, like with Ashley's um, family and Debbie. She used to spend time with them and, and also a lady called Perla. Cantley, uh, um, and I tracked her down maybe seven, eight years ago, and and uh, the woman is terrified about the whole situation and um, the aftermath of Amy's disappearance. But going back to 2005, and Pearl Cantley wrote an, a letter to the Irish Embassy in Madrid, um, basically saying that she feared for Amy's safety, that um, she was wandering the streets, and, and she's been left um, pretty much like an urchin, but she also was concerned for Amy's safety. And in one part of the letter, she says that she feared that um, she could be abducted and that she feared mm. about Amy's safety. So we can say it was a complex 
home life for her as a teenager, you know, um, leaving her country, moving to a, a new country and having a stepdad can often cause conflict. And clearly she was staying away from home. She was living a bit of a wild life. But at some point, the police must have realised this is more than a runaway and that this is a very serious missing person. Um, you know, when did they start getting actually worried that maybe something untoward had happened to her? Well, they did bring in, um, the, like they interviewed 400 people um, in connection with this in the, in the, in the weeks afterwards. So they did start, they did treat, treat it quite seriously. Mm. And they did interview, um, obviously, the, the, the main people in her, in her home life, you know, um, Dave Mann, Audrey and Dean. Like um, Dave Mann was interviewed two or three times and Audrey said, look, it, it's not like the Irish or English police would interview somebody as a suspect they just interviewed him as par for the course, normal type. What was she like? When was the last time he saw her type thing? Mm. But um, she has lately said that, oh, um, people think that they might have something to do with the disappearance and even myself. But I can tell you that neither of us has. Like she's quite determined and, and, mm. and, and strenuous saying that, look, we had nothing to do with it. And there was there was no evidence as such, Eugene, that they did have anything to do with it other than there was obviously a strained home life. No, like people might put two and two and get ten or whatever, mm. but like, no, there's no there's no concrete proof that they've had anything to do with it. Like They've also been campaigning, are they certainly, in those years, they were campaigning a lot for information and they started doing posters and all that. Extraordinarily, they had a million euro of a reward at the time um, put up by two or three anonymous businessmen who who never determined who they were, mm. but they had a couple of big billboards as well in near the area where Amy disappeared in the uh, Fungarella Callahan area of um, the Costa del Sol, one in English and one in in, in, in Spanish, and they would have cut quite a fair whack of money as well, you know. So in in the years after it, and and you were you know, one of the, the main investigative journalists working on this case and you travelled over and back to Spain a number of times. You spoke to family members um, both here and abroad. You kind of got quite a good insight into what was going on. When Amy first went missing, nobody knew very much about her background. But by 2011, when you saw and we published Amy's diaries, there was a clear picture of a very disturbed young girl there who was maybe hanging around in, in, in places that, you know, a parent mightn't be so happy a young teenage girl being in. Yeah, like um, I interviewed people like she used to have a part time job in a bar there um, and pick up glasses there and extra money. But she, she was also hanging around this, this CD type um, massage type parlor place or with lap dancers and stuff that people were prostitution was gone on, not saying that she got involved, but she was, there was a lot of dodgy people that was in this complex that she was, you know, hanging out in. And there was rumours that as well that she might have done marijuana, for instance, as well, like um, like a lot of teenage kids might just experiment with them. But um, we unearthed these diaries that, that she had written since the age of 12, where she basically portrays herself as quite troubled that she, and there was pictures of her saying that she used to forage in bins that she was left to fend for herself like prior to her disappearance she hadn't gone to school in something like three months so um and i know there was audrey said that oh she tried to make her go to school but she wouldn't listen but 
still in all at the age of 15, there should have been some sort of intervention maybe made. Like a lot of people would wonder, did they have a lot of control over mm. both Amy and, and, and Dean and, and, and what they were getting up to? And did they ever address that? Did they ever speak about that themselves or were they ever asked about it by journalists? Well, Audrey basically has said that, look, Amy was, you know, could have been a troublesome teenager and she she tried to control her when, as best as she could and what more could she do? But <laughs> that she was just like a normal mother treating a, an errant, tearaway teenager. And now at one point, um, there was a significant a suggestion that there was a significant gangland figure possibly involved in her disappearance. Nothing ever came of these allegations, but just tell us about that. Yeah, well, Audrey brought out a book in 2012 and she addressed this and she, she basically um, pointed the finger initially at, at this hitman called Lucky Wilson Um and then subsequently she said, oh, that she, this was a complete red herring, that he had nothing to do with it, you know. But um, like, I, I, I think at the time, like he was serving a 23-year prison sentence for some hit on an English guy. But I, I think that was proven that Lucky Wilson was even in, in prison at the time of, of Amy's disappearance. So I don't know how that curveball was thrown by, you know, Audrey at the time. But I think she, she had to backtrack over that particular suggestion. So Dean returned home and obviously had stated a number of times how disturbed he was by his sister's disappearance, which of course he would be. So what brought Audrey and Dave back to Ireland then in the years after she went missing? Well, it's never been conclusively proved, but like I think it was just the the, 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 the crash that happened as well, like in 2008, you know, mm-hmm. you know which coincided with Amy's disappearance. But... Um, which man was involved in the whole real estate business over there. So I think a lot of that work dried up. So pretty much they came back to, to Ireland and initially they were living, um, or well, Dave had this, this place in Clare Hall and the apartment where the, the, the killing happened. And then the two of them made it down to Carrick and Shannon of all places. And all the while were they going over and back to Spain every time there was an anniversary or a campaign on for Amy? Did they continue appealing for help in, in finding her... Yeah, they did make, you know, uh, occasional type appeals and, and Audrey did go over there. Like, But um, I think a lot of the time they, they also were, you know, meeting up with friends of theirs over there as well. Like, and, and, and you know, it wasn't just to, to, to mark the anniversary. I think maybe for the first couple of years they might have, but then they, I, they didn't go over as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of the funds dried up as well because, um, you know, it's an expensive going back and forth as well. Like they did try and and, and, and set up an appeal fund as well to, to help them finance, you know, mm. both the information. I did. And both them and Christine Kennedy, Kenny, um, who's Amy's aunt, they separately hired private detectives to try and get information as to, to see if they could get any more information on, on, on what exactly happened to Amy. But as the years have gone on and as the years went on, clearly any hopes that this was a runaway were were dashed. And did did Audrey and Dave themselves admit that they were likely looking for a body rather than looking for her? Or did they ever, did they, did they give up hope? No, they never, never said that conclu- um, conclusively that she's dead. 
but there, there's been a lot of complaints that the Spanish police themselves, like that it hasn't been a like um, a Madeleine McCann type situation where it's 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 a, it's a national type campaign where it's been more a local type police matter. It was never never really got a lot, lot of national attention in Spain compared to here, like in Ireland, because she was an Irish girl who went missing. But um, now a double tragedy for the Fitzpatrick family, Christopher, their their father when when Dean was was killed that time. Was Dave Mahan arrested immediately? Did he hand himself up? Um he pretty much hand himself up um within a few hours, yeah. He he, he went to the guard and said, Look, the this situation happened and and and, and you know, things spilled out of control. But the interesting thing is that earlier that day, like um Dave Mahan had made 16 phone calls to both Dean's phone and, and to Sarah, um, the, his partner's phone, in, in a bid to track down Dean. Um, Sarah has said that that um, he told Dean that, that oh, it's to do with her mother and that she's basically in trouble. So whether this was some sort of um, entrapment to get him to lure him to this apartment where two of man's friends were there already, you know, and... Um, they gave evidence of this particular bust up that Mahan claims was over a row about a water bottle on a bicycle, which seems quite bizarre that that this could turn into such a violent confrontation and and that this is where Dean produced this knife and that Mahan grabbed it off him and Dean ran towards it and initially Mahan claims in some sort of suicidal, you know, that he lost his head and he wanted to commit suicide by knife knifing himself with Mahan holding the knife. Like it just seems quite illogical and a jury did not believe that either. You know? Yeah, exactly. A jury didn't believe that that was a feasible, uh, you know, series of events. At what point did Audrey marry Dave Mahan? Was it as he awaited trial for this offence, this this manslaughter offence? It was pretty much when um, Mahan was on, still on, on, on bail and awaiting trial. It was pretty much a year after the killing, I think it was, um, or there, there, thereabouts, that she, you know, she became Audrey Mahan and she changed her name as well, obviously, from Audrey Fitzpatrick to um, Audrey Mahan. So it's obviously she took him back, you know, and then and, and, and they continued their relationship and cemented it, obviously, by getting married. <laughs> yeah, and people were obviously very surprised by that. Um, as you said, the jury didn't believe his story of accidental death and he was found guilty of manslaughter at the Central Criminal Court um, and he was given five years. Yeah, and um, yeah, he was given sentence to seven years seven. And, he, and, he, and, he, and, 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 and he served five. And then she was sent to Mount Joy Prison and, which is, you know, um, pretty much a grim place. And then he was moved over to Wheatfield and um, he initially tried to rule the roost there, but he got attacked in the prison showers there. And sources told us at the time that these were, the attack on him was done by a couple of friends of Dean at the time, getting pretty much revenge back on, on, on the killer of, of their friend. Mm. Then when he was in, in prison in Wheatfield, um, he um, got cancer and basically lost a lot of weight and had to get treatment for that. And, um, Fortunately, has since made a recovery somewhat after chemotherapy, and 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 um, it seemingly is back on track. Um, and perhaps he'll still have to get treatment for that, but he's now released mm. out and about again after five years. Like Christine, 
his aunt I spoke to yesterday and she's quite annoyed saying that somebody who um, killed somebody with a knife should get a longer sentence mm. and knife crime doesn't seem to be treated very seriously and, and, and particularly Dave Mahan that he's basically um, been a torture to their family for the last several years and um, Christopher the father has said basically he ruse the day he ever came into their their his children's lives that one is now dead and one is missing. There's no doubt it must be very hard for them to see that and and to see them back together. I'm also just wondering, like, how do they handle appeals and campaigns for Amy's for help in in, in solving Amy's disappearance? Given you know what's happened. Can they, do you feel that they can go out publicly together now as a couple? Or is there going to be an elephant in the room, which is obviously Dean's death? Well, pretty much so. Like, I've been down to Carrick and Shannon a couple of times. Like, um, we initially, to protect our privacy, did not say it was Carrick and Shannon. But in recent weeks, Audrey has told a different newspaper that there are living in Carrick and Shannon. I spoke to neighbours in the estate and, 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 and people initially, when I visited there, about maybe it was about three years ago, a lot of people didn't know Audrey was in who she was. She changed from some Dublin, then got the word got around, and then lately, when it it appeared that Audrey was going to move him into this house, this this, this sleepy estate, there was a lot of alarm bells ringing. Some some people were saying that they should call a community center uh, a meeting in the community center and address this that this killer is going to be living in their midst. This particular estate has a, a row of houses which are pretty much one bedroom type semi detached houses and they're, it's in a quiet area and a lot of families around the place. Then I also spoke to other people and um, they were a bit more sort of um, forgiven. They were saying, look let him move on, um, but if he acts up, he'll get to know about it and we won't be, um, you know, long in telling him that he has to <laughs> change his mm. methods or else he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll get into trouble with us. Maybe the usual fears a community would have when um, a killer is being released from jail. Um, but as regards Amy's disappearance and as regards them going back to Spain or what the future holds, has there been any developments at all, have there been any significant developments in that? Is it does it remain a missing persons inquiry, or has it been upgraded to a murder inquiry? No, it's never been a murder inquiry, and and it's still the book is still open. It's never closed. Mm. Like um, there is speculation that Audrey and Dave will move back to Spain. That that Mahan owns uh, an apartment in the foothills of of, of the mountains in Fungarola. Like, but. Where, where would they get the funds to for their lifestyle to continue there? Like, and what? Like, she has said that he's going to become an, an, an odd job man when he when he's released. So, I don't know what sort of jobs he's going to be doing around Carrick and Shannon or back home in Dublin. Like, he's from the Lorcan area, Santry. I know his um, family there. Like, um, he's still in touch with them, and he might be going out to Wexford for a bit. That's what I was told that they might go there in a bit of a holiday. But I, I think like. Um, he will just have to keep his head down and they'll just have to get on. Like, she's got two small dogs and, mm. like, she's, she said that they'll walk the dogs and that they'll go shopping in the middle and mm. go back to normality. Like, they, they did like the area together when they lived there initially there um, in the in the aftermath of the killing. 
when we, just before the trial began that they did spend time there, you know. So it will be up to the Fitzpatrick uh, family to keep the the sort of the flag flying for, for Amy. And I think they have been, haven't they been doing quite a lot in recent years? Yeah, well, Christine, the, the aunt, um, has been crusading. And like, she spent a lot of money herself in, 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 in you know, basically haranguing politicians and, and guards. Like, like she, she was the one who had to go to the guards here and report Amy missing on behalf of the family and, and get the guards to look into it. And she, she got Bertie Ahern, who was then Taoiseach, involved and the then Justice Minister Dermot Ahern. And, and herself and, and Christopher, they got some like 27,000 people to sign a, a petition at the time to, to try and um, set up an Amber Alerts scheme for Europe, which um, I believe is now in place that, a bit like the American system, but if a child goes missing, that there's, there's uh, alerts, you know, on motorways and on signs and stuff like that. And, 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 and police in, in various jurisdictions are, are, are given the details of, of when a child, like, goes missing like at, at the time there was no such type of system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that, that's what is at the heart of this I mean she was just a child a troubled child and you know yeah um, and like and it's, it's it's extraordinary to think that that she if she, if she is still alive or if she was still alive she would have turned 30 um, early next year and I think in February of, of, of next year so there's a lot of water on the bridge like she's she's would almost be as missing as long as she was living up to that stage, you know, like, and um, mm. she, at the time, like, like at the time she wanted to go home to Ireland. Um, she was due to go home on Stephen's day, um, a few days before she disappeared. And um, Audrey changed the, wouldn't let her go. Like, cause she was using Audrey's passport as a child dependent to, to, to go um, back to Ireland. But she, Audrey just said, no, you're not going home. Mm-hmm. And I think if she had gone home, she was going to stay home for good because she just didn't like Spain at that stage and she 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 it, uh, had said in her in the diaries that we uncovered that she just didn't like living with Dave Mahon as well that she just just didn't get on with him as well that they had a quite a you know troubled relationship well whatever has happened to her and we always hope that um you know that the the authorities will get to the bottom of it it seems to be that so much tragedy has been has been visited upon that family um over the years that you'd, you'd hope for them that they can get some answers and um, they obviously don't feel that when Dave Mahan walked free from prison after such a short sentence that they got justice for Dean. Um, so we can only hope that maybe there'll be a breakthrough in the Amy case and maybe something will happen for them on that front. But um, for now, Eugene Masterson, thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.